Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Oh my God, everybody, I'm so glad you're here. This is another episode of Knife Talk Podcast. I'm so pumped to be here with Craig Lockwood resting in his lounge with the fire blazing in the background and Jeff Fader lounging in his Jeep. Um, we're here to talk knives, answer questions, give each other a hard time, figure out, you know, sometimes there's tough situations in this industry. And so, but we like to kick it off with a little week in review. Jeff, do you want to kick it off? Look, it was a fucking week. We, <laughs> what are you <laughs> going to do? It was a, it was a, it was a very busy week and, uh, uh, we had a lot of really cool things happen in terms of like streamlining some processes and, getting ready to do some new stuff and and it was just a it was a very hard working week and actually non knife related i started doing some swimming on monday nights and i and uh, there's a the, the the pool opens the school pool opens for adults and we got my kid to come too and the cool thing is is my kid is the captain of the swim team my kid is th- this is going to be her third year she's one of the youngest captains of the swim team and she was my coach and she and I thought, I thought maybe, you know, I thought there was no way I'm going to kick this kid's ass. There's just no way. I mean, you know, 17 years old, she's the captain of the swim team. She just fucking wiped the floor with me. And it was awesome. It was awesome. I remember teaching her how to swim. And now she's just a monster. Oh, wow. Was she, was she monster. hard on you as well, like a real drill instructor? You know what? She was swimming too, and she was, like, giving me tips. And she was she actually gave me some tips that were really, like, helpful like I was, she wasn't break i told her don't be gentle on the old man don't you know, don't try to drown me and she gave me some swimming tips that were like were really really helpful and it was just it was so great to it was so great to to watch her 
you know, Sheila enjoyed it. And you now we're getting ready for this is going to be, we're coming in on the end of the junior year and she's going to be a senior and we're going to look at colleges. So I'm doing everything I can to spend as much time with her as possible and, mm. you know, crack jokes and have fun and try to do other things. And, and the swimming has been one of these things. It was like, you know, we did the first one last Monday and it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So that's so, a, you know. you've you've lost a lot of weight recently. So do you find it much easier? I mean, like cycling, if you lose weight, the cycling becomes so much easier. Is it the same as swimming? No, dude. Really? I thought I thought like I'm going to be whipping through that water. Like a racing. And it was like it's totally different muscles, and it was mm. exhausting, and it was like swimming hard. And you know, she her her stroke is the 500, which is 500, which is so four laps to 100. So it's 20 laps. Ooh. Without stopping, it's like a marathon. It's a okay, marathon. So it's, it's 50, 50 yards end to end, and one it's lap's like 100. it's a marathon. It's right. a total marathon. Yeah. And I did one hundred, and I was like, I know why people drown. Like I can totally <laughs> understand. Like I couldn't get my breathing down, and I was tired, and I was just like water was seeping in the holes, and I was just like, I was like, I know why I turned my kid after I did a hundred just completely dead and i said mm. i know why people drown i totally know yeah. and that was funny but it actually brought me up and i'll just do a sidetrack you know I, I, was so, I was so arrogant when i was younger we were in acapulco when my kid was i guess she was like three or something like that and we had friends family friends in mexico and we went to acapulco and these family one of the family friends was a competitive swimmer and she said we're going to be swimming across acapulco bay would you like to join us and I thought, I'm going to show these fucking Mexicans how to swim. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'll come on down. I was, I was, I was, I was uh, getting ready for the New York City Marathon. I was in pretty good shape. And I swam. I tell you what, we got in that water, and they told me, don't be careful because there are sharks. And there's oh, anything. I'm like, don't worry about that. So my family was with the balcony watching me, this speck. And the, and the, so it turns out that some of the people swimming across Ocapulco Bay one was the 1960 Mexico silver medal Olympus Olympic uh, oh, winner. This is Caesar. Like even though it was from the 60s, this guy is like he can he can fucking put it on you in the water. And these guys took off, and I swear to God, I'm in the middle of Acapulco Bay with the rescue kayak. I thought I was going to drown. <laughs> I thought I was going to drown, and they're like they are whipping through Acapulco Bay and I'm just I can't there's just I cannot there's just no way yeah so it brought me back to when I was in the pool with my kid <laughs> and she was just like whipping my ass all of a sudden I thought like I'm gonna I'm gonna drown like I almost drowned in Acapulco Bay <laughs> oh my God, so how were the muscles that, the next day uh, uh we were dead both of us yeah. were, even my kid was just like I'm not gonna front I'm tired I'm like yeah I'm tired too so we're gonna do it on Mondays and then uh yeah, it was good. It was a good week. I actually went to Bantam Tools, and I figured we could talk about it at the end of this. I have an interesting conversation to talk to you about it in terms yeah, of Bantam Tools. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Tools. Yeah, yeah. So other than that, it was just busy, and uh, David Tiger Claw Customs is amazing, and he's been in the shop, and he's been, like, really, really, I mean, just, right. like, terrific, terrific. And we're, like, heading forward, heading real forward, so it's That's really great. good. Cool. Very good. nice. How you doing, Mareka? What's going on? Well, just to add to your story, so my kid is in, uh, they're on spring break at school right now, and so there's a, a local athletic. So he's gone to Miami with his mates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, exactly. He, uh, is, there's an athletic, athletic club uh, here in town that's like literally five minutes away from where we live, and so they got a nice big pool, and and uh, and uh, the, the grandparents have 
uh, a membership. And so my wife and the kid have been going down there and swimming and, and he has friends whose families have memberships there too. And, uh, they've been doing swimming lessons and up until they started doing the swimming lessons, uh, he like even just getting a little water on his face from like the sprinkler or taking a shower or something like that. He would just like freak out. He couldn't hold his breath or anything. I'm like, what is going on? You just close your eyes and don't breathe. And he just freaks out every time. But he, he really had a massive breakthrough, like on the second day or maybe the end of the first day where he, all of a sudden he got it. He's like, Oh, all I have to do is keep my eyes closed and not breathe in when my face is under the water hmm. and I'm good. And then he was just like a little guppy swimming around through the, through the, the pool. He loved it. He was having a That's blast. That's the best. Yeah. It's like a whole new world opened up to him. It was awesome. That might be the beginning stages of confidence for a lot of children. Sure. Because it's like you kind of figure it out on your own to a certain degree, yeah. you know? That yeah. independence and like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I myself, I've always loved swimming and being in the water, but I've always been been a sinker not a floater so swimming is <laughs> more is, roughage in your diet <laughs> no i need a little bit more roughage uh yeah or more carbs i don't know but i've i've uh, swimming has always been so difficult for me because it's so much harder to stay afloat and i just you know i was always a low body fat kid growing up so it was like twice as much work i think for me versus friends so going out and swimming and stuff i'd just be gassed <laughs> or they were just they're just a bunch of silkies and they, <laughs> they had no problem. So it's uh, a, it's like a muscle, like everything else though. When you swim, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not even saying competitively, but like everything takes a long time to like get used to. Yeah. No, and, 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 and they're muscles you don't normally use in your day to day stuff. If you swim, you just like, I didn't really know I had a muscle there. Ti- my ribs were tired. Mm. My fucking ribs were tired <laughs> the next day. Breathing. Yeah. All the fucking rib work. Yeah. Yeah, and I I can I can keep myself from drowning for the most part these days. Um, I can tread water and swim pretty. C- I, I'm I'm more of a a, a breaststroke guy. Um, <laughs> and so that was uh, a, I, I've never was... learned the crawl. Uh, so I've never been a fast swimmer, but I can I can keep myself above water. But anyways, mm-hmm. weren't uh, you on the radio this week? Was I on the radio this week? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Come on, on, man. Ah, uh, yeah, about... I did see. Yes. <laughs> Prize winner. Yeah, so we uh, our local radio station does a, a prize thing, and it, it's such a small community that every time they uh, they do the contest, they have to reiterate. By the way, you can only win this every sixty days, <laughs> like to <laughs> the fifty people listening to the show. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I think the last time we'd won something was like last July or something like that, um, and. And this time of year, it's springtime, and so all the flowers are starting to blow up and everything. And and there's a, a, a what is it? a nursery down south, um, actually not far from um, Nick Wheeler, that has these beautiful color bowls of all these different flowers, and they they drape down really nicely. And my wife, we won that last year, and so she's like, we got to try to get it again. And we got through a few times of this last week when they were doing the color bowl as well as like Stevie Nicks tickets. And I was like, fuck it, it would be great to go see Stevie Nicks. But uh, we didn't get it in time for Stevie Nicks. We got through, but we were the wrong numbers. Um, and then I happen <laughs> in the mornings. Part of our regime is I get up. I help get breakfast going for the family. They're eating breakfast. I'm in the bathroom doing paperwork. And that's when the radio contest comes on. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. So let's stop. What, rewind a second. You're in the bathroom doing paperwork. Yeah, t- I'm doing paperwork. 
taking the Browns the, to Super Bowl. I'm doing, you know, my morning BM. Constitution. Taking care of business. <laughs> Paper, I get you. Sorry. I, <laughs> only time the Browns go to the Super Bowl. That's for sure. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> and uh, my wife comes hollering down the hallway. This is the clues and this is the answer. I was like, "All right." So <laughs> I'm calling while I'm on the toilet. Oh, and I get you through. Even, <laughs> you're on the toilet, you haven't even clipped it off? <laughs> no. And oh, uh, man. and I I'm talking to them on the radio winning and giving them the answer and everything and Oh jeez. It was hilarious. Were you <laughs> but it was you were actively because... you were actively in motion when you <laughs> no, in, right. in, in labor <laughs> at the time. <laughs> all right, Morocco Mamazu, come on, baby. Well, give me the praise of pays. I, I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I, give me the praise of pays, Morocco I was in right. be, I was in between plunkers. So Oh Lord have mercy. It was such a it was such a wholesome situation too. Needless to say you were in the midst I was in the midst of the shits and so um <laughs> all right give me a phrase of place <laughs> just like flush the toilet <laughs> anyways yeah so i answered i got the thing and last second i was like oh i should say hi to my son even though he's literally in the other room i thought it'd be fun because we always like they record it and then they hear it later <laughs> and uh and so i finished up went out they're playing it on the thing. My wife's recording uh, with the video, and she didn't know that I had said good morning to my son, and she thought it was so classic. She actually got a little, she got a little choked up because it's so classic, you know. The yeah, uh, take dedications and stuff. Son, I'm taking a big shit, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> was that love? Was that loving message in the midst too? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That's real radio, ladies oh. and gentlemen. Working double oh, if duty right there. you just flushed. If you just flushed. Oh, my God. That would have been so... Unbelievable. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Fuck. What's popping? This, this bathroom's <laughs> popping right now. We're in the midst. Well, you know, funnily <sighs> enough... I'm going to be on the radio this week, and oh I'll be my. shitting myself, too. <laughs> so there are probably two of us. <laughs> now... What is going on with you and French radio? So, um, well, funnily enough, I, we were rehearsing this week, the band, and um, I got a text from somebody saying, we just heard your song on the radio. And I was like, what? And it was like the first time. And it was just uh, unbelievable. So I was really pleased. Um, but basically, they, they, we're... I've been a bit down the last few weeks. There's no sort of two ways about it. I think most of it is just, you know, from watching the news and seeing what's going on. And um, there's been a lot of Ukrainians coming to sort of my area here in France where the local mayors have, um, you know, they've arranged for accommodation for, you know, women and children, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just, you know, what can I do? What can I do to help kind of thing? Um, so I decided I, I, we're putting on an event. So it's four sort of rock bands in one night. Um, we're all playing, playing for free. You know, there's a lot of sort of bucket shuffling will be going around, you know, getting donations from the people in the audience, that kind of thing. Um, so we went to the local radio station and said, you know, can you promote this? They're like, yeah, sure. They're like, well, could you come in for an interview and maybe play a song? And it was like, well, this is a boyhood dream. So I'm like, yes, of yeah. course, of course. So it was going to be today, but it's actually going to be Tuesday now. Um, and it's an, it's an affiliated show. So 
Um, it's a local radio station here, but between 10 and 12 every day, every morning, um, they affiliate like a much larger area. So the whole of southwest France, basically, here's this one show that, we, that we'll be doing. So it's quite a big deal. So, yeah, I am going to be shitting myself on the radio, too. <laughs> wow. So. so- are you, you guys going to go into the studio to play? Into the studio. It, it's only me playing. So um, we can't set up a full band thing. So I'm literally taking an acoustic guitar and I'll be singing a song after the interview. Kind of what style. are you going to sing? Um, I'm not sure. It's either going to be Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. I do like an acoustic version of that. Or um, a song you wouldn't know is it's, uh, The Manic Street Preachers. And it's uh, the song is If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next, which is very, you know, very sort of political, I suppose. Um, so one of those two. I'm not quite sure yet. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a total dream. You know, it's just like, this is amazing. But, yeah, I'm nervous as hell. Do you, do you know what's the, what's the show called? Um, I don't. I don't even know who the host is. Um, oh. The thing is, I don't listen to French radio any because I don't really understand too much of it, you know. Um, so I'm going along with um, the singer from one of the other bands because he's fluent in French. Um, he's been over here so 25 years. Um, so, you know, the interview, he'll be doing most of the interview. But then it'll be, you know, a song at the end and that'll, that'll be myself. So. Hmm. I, is there any I other have to say. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to ask for a recording anyway at the station. I'm sure they'd be able to do that for me and, you know, give it to me. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure on their website, there must be a pl- Most radio stations have a player on their website now, don't they? So, yeah. You've got to think. We've got, in my mind, when you said, you, you sent me a message saying he was going to be on, all I could think of is, what is French morning radio sound like? I'm thinking about in my mind. I'm all of a sudden, like, is this Big Pierre, <laughs> Nuf de Nuf, WNBC with Craig Lockwood? Uh, I just I had this like I, I had I was walking the dogs, just laughing, thinking of like you know French radio and what they're going to talk to you about, yeah. and that's just like. It's going to it's, be great. The radio here, when I first come over, I was amazed. So you can be sit, sitting here having your, you know, your cornflakes in the morning. And it's, it's mainly sort of British and American songs anyway. There's, you know, there's not much sort of French pop music. Um, but they, like, we have certain radio edits, so I'm sure they do in the US as well. So you're not here and you know, motherfucker and so on, you know, in the middle of a song over, over your breakfast. But over here, they don't. <laughs> so you're sitting there eating your cornflakes and Eminem will come on and all of a sudden he's talking about, you know, God knows what. And it's the same in the supermarket. You can just be pushing your, your car to the supermarket and you hear like this crazy language coming over the tannoy when the music they're playing because they just don't filter out any of this sort of... But they don't know. They don't know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is crazy. <sighs> can I make one huge request? Sure. I'm saying this. I'm, please tape it and please put it in the after show next week. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be able to tape it. Or they'll sort of burn off a copy for me or, or something, I'm, sh- I'm sure. This is so how, – how is it possible? You hit your 40s, and now you're getting your musical career. What's, what, how did you, <laughs> how, what song did they play on the radio? They played our version of Teenage Kicks, um, basically, because they're advertising this event for us every day. Um, and they said, Look, have, you, have your band got any recordings? Like, oh, we haven't really been to the studio yet. So we recorded something live a couple of weeks ago. So we made this little video kind of thing. Um, and the other bands, the good. other bands did the same thing. They just recorded their rehearsal. So we just taken a few songs in. So they'll just play a, you know a song by one of the bands each day until the event, um, which is April the thirtieth. So so yeah, and it's amazing. We're, I said, we're actually in rehearsals when I had a text on my phone, and somebody was like, "I've just heard your song on the radio." I was like, "Fucking yes, that's amazing." So I haven't that's heard awesome. it on the radio myself yet, but um, it's exciting. Very congratulations, so cool. We're excited for you, dude. You you hmm. you're putting it in. 
and you're spending money on guitars and you're, uh, you're, like, <laughs> you're actually you're, actually i'm not spending money on guitar. this was a swap this was an exchange so uh I, an old amp that i've got which i don't play um this guitar came up but it, it, it's been a guitar i've always wanted so that you know we did the exchange kind of thing very exciting ah yes yes so where were we where were we shall we talk about knives well actually before we talk about knives we can talk about something that i thought would be interesting because yeah. it is knife related and it did happen this week but i think that it's a it was an interesting topic so this week so i, I mentioned last week that uh i have friends with the ceo of uh the owner of bantam tools which is a company right. that makes yeah. desktop uh, cnc machines and he's a great guy his name is Bree pettis he started MakerBot back in the day and he sold it, and now he opened up, the, which I get, what did make, what was MakerBot, a 3D printer? MakerBot was a 3D printer, and it was the first sort of domestic 3D printer, I suppose, that you could buy to have at home. Um, and then with that, they started this thing called Thingiverse, which was like a catalog of models that you could just download and, and print, you know, all these useful little gadgets. And if you made, if you designed a gadget, you could put it up there like a library kind of thing. Really, really cool, really, really cool. And yeah, he's, he's like a huge name in the sort of, you know, in the tinkering sort of 3D printing space, yeah. Well, he started Bantam Tools, which is, you know, now it's it's a small desktop CNC machine. Hmm. And he's in my town, and I had him in the shop, and we've, been, we've known each other for a number of years, and we've kind of met at parties and events and kind of had conversations. Our approaches are completely different. He came into the shop. We forged some friction folders. We had a great time. And then he says, I'd love you to come down to see what I'm doing at Bantam Tools. So on Monday, I went down, and... I got a tour of the facility, and we were talking about. I mentioned to him, I'm like, right now, you know, for streamlining, my biggest thing that I'd love to tackle would be being able to see and see my handle scales for mm. some of my knives. So I said, this is something that, like, the next. And I'm not thinking like I need it now, but this would be thinking along the lines of what I need or what I want or how I want to grow. Streamlining is the situation. So he gave me a tour, and it was really great. They have 35 employees, and they're all from the area and there it's not a fucking sweatshop it's a really nice place and then the, everyone's you know it's it's very hip it's very hip and there's you know they're making they're making the units and you know every station has like these you know computers hooked up to each unit and it's you know they're all like it was really cool and he introduced me to the people and he showed me all the stuff and so they also have giant cnc machines kind of similar to what aaron goff has but apparently they're like Yes, they're so high end and huge that they have to register them with the government because I, oh, wow. I guess you can make like weapons of mass destruction with these wow. CNC oh, machines. He's like, we're heavily like five axis yep. thing. Oh, dude, this thing, these things were like, I mean, it was it was incredible, and the, and it was great. And I got the whole tour, and I, he showed me the whole thing, and we were talking about the pros and cons of G10. The pros being the colors and the, 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 you know, the bulletproof nature of it and this, that, the other thing. And then the cons were, the cons were really like how, how wear resistant the material is and how well, hard it, it is. Yeah. yeah. How hard it is. And we started to really kind of think about CNC and I have different opinions on CNC and my relationship with it and stuff like that. But what he said was for you, for me to be involved with CNC and stuff like that, it's a scalability issue. And he says, if you were at this point in time, you're probably faster doing it with, you know, grinding it out with belts and, you know, whatever. The problem is, is because it's so wear resistant, you're just going to be running through bits every five seconds. Mm -hmm. 
So, and the setup, and then this, and then that, and having someone to do it. And he's like, you know, you could get a CNC machine for like, I could, I could I've seen them for anywhere from 20, the kind that you're going to need, like 20,000 to 60,000. And then we would obviously help you with the G codes and stuff like that. And, and I want to be helpfully, you know, involved with helping you and stuff like this. Mm. And he says, but you're really, you're, 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 the value for you would be, it would be a better right now for labor. Like you have David coming in and we're getting more help and stuff like that. And it was interesting because it was the issue of scalability. It's like if you're doing a thousand knives, okay, now it makes sense to, you know, a thousand knives at a clip, it would make sense to have an automated version. Yeah. But at this point in time, it's almost better to have the, the labor is your, is what's going to give it you, you know, a little bit of humanity, but also you're going to speed you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be very interesting because, you know, we talk to a lot of people who have CNC machines and routers and all the CNC hardware and stuff like that. And I just found it to be very interesting as a topic of conversation in terms of at what point do you have the ability and the need for um, CNC at home, like at your your own CNC as opposed to getting stuff sent out, hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I've got a small CNC um, mail sort of router here. Um which I did use for a little while, um, but I was finding, like you just said, especially using like G10, um, it's very, very abrasive to, to the tools. Um, and, you know, the thing I had was, you know, it was, you know, worth, what, two grand possibly at most, nothing like these 20 to 60 grand machines, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the tolerances weren't weren't always there. And you're always tinkering with it, trying to get them set up to be exactly right. how you want, you know. Um but funnily enough, I, I, I dug it out of storage um, last week because um, I used oh, it's, it's a long story. I used it to make something for my wife, and uh, but um, yeah, it, 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 they're cool. I think that that's the the main factor for me. It's like oh, it's cool, and you can do all these cool things. But when it comes down to production, I think I mean you just mentioned them, and so you've got a thousand to do. It may be good to do them in CNC, but I think even then, with just a thousand, maybe outsource that CNC in. You know, rather than spend the sixty grand on a machine, just you know. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I can see a lot more people maybe doing that in the sort of near future, um, just as we outsource, you know, laser cutting, you know, blanks and that kind of thing, water cut jetting blanks. I think having you know CNC facilities that you can you know you can just send them your your three D models of like a handle, for example, and say I want a thousand of them in this kind of G ten. I can imagine that becoming more of a sort of a consumer side sort of business. Um, as I just like water jet cutting that kind of thing, but um, you know, Aaron, you know Aaron Goff, who yeah, well, funny enough, you, you you spoke to him this week on your on your show as well, so it was a good tie-in. Um, you know, he he's very very good at what he does. And when I, I mentioned last week that you know some people say you know that kind of thing isn't you know it's not, it's not handmade, and I said well it's it's just a completely different skill. Um, and you know the skills that Aaron has got would take a lifetime for most people to sort of get their heads around um so it, it's a huge shift in in skill set change i think um it's not just a case of you know if i get a cnc maybe it'll just do the handles for me you it, it's a huge investment not just in the machine but in the time um to to get the most out of these machines which which obviously can be amazing but yeah it's a, it's a huge learning curve and i mean i i scratch the surface with the basics on what i do um, but you know the way the way Aaron does his, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a full on production, and it's yeah, it really shows. It's amazing. But for Aaron, it's different because he likes it. He's always liked. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, the, yeah. 
And yeah. I think that that's one of the other things that's fascinating about, you know, I, once again, we talk about, you know, knife making. We've, I think we honestly, be honest with you, I think we focus a little too much on the business end of it. But, you know, that's, that's to be debated. Um, I think that we end up losing probably some of the people who just want to make knives just for the sake of making knives without thinking about the profit. When I, when I talk to Aaron and when you see how, what he's done, he does it because I believe, I mean, with his background in computer prog programming, hmm. he enjoys it. And he yeah. said to me as well, he's like, it is fucking hard. Yeah. He's like, trust me. He's like, I have just the fixture work and the amount of time spent on, I mean, he's, he's taken it on the chin in terms of getting it to the point where his knives are at the level that he likes. And his, his tolerances for, for success versus failure are like ridiculous yeah. like i mean he'll show me he'll send me a picture or something he's like oh yeah this is a flaw i'm like i don't know what you're talking about dude. like <laughs> seriously it's like but it's it's a question of whether or not what you're willing to do yeah you know and you know people automatically think that something like cnc and is completely repeatable you you know once you've got it dialed in you're good you're not you're forever tinkering because you know the tool will wear slightly and then your tolerances are out or the fixtures that you're using can wear down, your tolerances are out. So th there's all these things that you're always tinkering, and I think you've got to have that sort of mindset that it's not set and, set and done. It's, you know, it, it's a constant thing, constant, constant thing. And, you know, I bet even Aaron's always changing the, the models, you know, the G-code that he's using, um, because, you know, you want you know, this continuous development, you want everything to be better each time. And each time you do that, you've got to do a whole bunch of testing again. And, you know, so it's... It's got to be something that you love doing. Um, otherwise, you can just go down a rabbit hole and spend three days and think, oh, fuck, that's three days gone. I haven't, I haven't got produced anything at the end of it. Do you know what else is consistent? I can tell you now because I used mine this week. Go ahead. Even heats. Fucking amazing things. <laughs> um, they also kept me warm as well because it's been freezing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a while since I've, I've been able to use mine. Um, and we, I had to make a gift for somebody this week, um, which uh, a chef knife. And um, so, yeah, so I fired up the even heat. It hasn't been used for about three months. Flicked it on, psh, not a problem at all. It's amazing. They just, they just rock, rock solid. Um, yeah, love it, love it. Um, and if you haven't got even heat, you know how you can get one, don't you? If you go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, um, you can get yourself an even heat with $75 off and free shipping in the U.S., um, and that link will send you to Soul Ceramics, and they're a, you know they're a distributor of even heat. So spec up the way you want it, and you're way to go. But um, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know heat treat knives yourself, um, you can't go wrong with an even heat. Mareko, have you thought about CNC at all? Or did it cross your mind? Yeah, I've I've especially when I, Sarah and I were first Sarah, my wife, uh, was were doing like the Smith and Bard, and and just kind of like projecting, kind of thinking about stuff like you know if we keep going with this line and are producing like hundreds of knives where does it make sense to automate some things and cnc at least the rough cnc work um on a handle scale totally made sense at least in, in conceptually speaking now maybe if you do a cost benefit analysis and maybe it doesn't actually make sense you're just better off doing it yourself rather than sending it out to have it done um but um th that's the only time i've really thought well and also like the idea of you know having like new jersey Sp steel baron or somebody like jet water jetting a bunch of steel 
uh, and having that scent. Like all the things that are like kind of like monkey work that aren't really truly important to the final product of the knife. Like I feel like it's completely fine to automate. You know, you hear, I, you guys, and we hear people saying, like you were saying before, Jeff, like, no, that's not handmade, but it's like, if I had a, a blade blank cut out a New Jersey steel bearing, then I had somebody else do some primary grinding and then somebody else doing the heat treatment, but I was doing the final grinding and, and, and sharpening. Honestly, like that is the most important part. All the other shit before that, I mean, obviously heat treat's important, but like all the other material removal was not really truly that important. Um, what's important is what it ultimately looks like and hands on, which I think if you had handle skills, CNC, you're ultimately going to have, once they're attached to the thing, uh, unless you are running a crazy program with a really nice finish, um, you know, you're probably hitting that with a, at least a 220 or a 400 just to smooth things out and make sure like everything against the tang, the sp belly and spine side of the tang are all nice and flush. You know, you're going to still have final hands on that. But all that roughing out before that doesn't really matter. What's really matter to me, in my mind, really matters is what it feels like at the end and the final eyes and the fine tuning at the end of that process. And I think if you can automate that, there's n I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This yeah. is a secondary interesting conversation because I know, and I'm not criticizing what we say, but sometimes we, 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 we belittle how hard it is to, you know, if you scribe a line in a piece of steel and I remember back in the day where they would scribe my, uh, John Ledford would scribe a thing for me and he would say, keep the line. And I remember how hard it was to get it on the money. Mm -hmm. So keep the line, take the line. And I think that we do kind of minimize a little bit how hard it is to actually, you know, get things correct on your own. And it, what it was interesting is, is actually next week, this coming week, I'm having Jesse Savage on. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about blacksmithing and how it you know, what happened? Like, why did automate, how did automation, you know, basically cripple and, and really cripple the concept of what blacksmithing was. And it is going to be an interesting conversation because I can't stop thinking. I just had Aaron on to talk about the future. I'm going to have, I'm going to have Jesse on to talk about the past. And I have these conflicting opinions in regards to what I want to put out there in terms of what do I want to get? You know, what do I want to get automated? What do I not want to get automated? How do I want to? I, I right now I'm really, 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 really happy with the crew I have at the shop. Mm. Uh, my this, you know, David and Allison and Tony, and I really like the idea of putting people to work, and they're everyone's into it. Like I got a great crew right now who everybody's into this company, and part of me wonders that if that's more important than trying to farm out farm out work so it it costs less to sell to on the market so mm -hmm. i'm having these moments of like talking to blacksmiths who who are worried that the blacksmithing is going away versus talking to cnc guys who are like let's automate this shit and <laughs> you know you don't have to fucking hire anybody and just get that big machine and shove it in the back and press the button and i'm having these like waves of you know thought in terms of what i want to put out there it's yeah. interesting 
But it's I, not it, nothing is black and white with me. Everything is very gray in this situation. So I'm not like I don't really have an opinion. But it, I, I, you can't not think about it. Yeah, I think we're obsessed with um, the you know sort of making the sausage. You know how we make things um, as makers. You know especially on this show because that's the that's the main content of the show. Um, but I think our customer doesn't really care so much how it's made. They care about how it makes them feel and what they've got at the end of it, you know? So, you know, whether, we, whether we're outsourcing or whether we're cnc in or whether, you know, we're getting, we're employing people and putting extra hands on things, um, I think it probably makes more, more, more of a difference to us than it does to the end user who probably don't really know how things are being done anyway. They don't really care either. But you're sure. slowly, slowly putting other businesses out of business. You're slowly, slowly. I mean, we were talking about this with, with Aaron. Like, you know, the future is post-scarcity. You know what post-scarcity is? Or no, you can make no. everything yourself and all of a sudden value is to zero. And then everything doesn't cost, nothing costs anything. And then what are we going to do? And we were talking about how, how uh, you know, there's no more toll booths in New York. There are no toll booth takers. That job's gone. And you go into Home Depot and there's, there's you know, machines taking oh, you off. Sound like my fucking dad. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I mean, you think about you shaking think his about, fist at the wall. Oh, but you, the good old days, I remember them. But you think about. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, all of a sudden you're also creating. You're part of it is you're creating this huge gap in terms of, you know, what people are going to be able to do with their lives. I was I was talking to somebody. I was like, what are they going to do? Get an OnlyFans page and shake their ass? I mean, it's seriously. It's like it's like how are people going to like you know how are people going to get by? If if we're gonna, there's a laser place up the street that my uh, old shop used to go as a break and shear place, and they get stuff laser cut out, and then they had stuff, uh, you know, breaks and shears to make, uh, you know, parts for outsides of buildings. And now people are just getting water jets in their own shops, and they're running them out of business. But it's, so it's it's different skill sets now, isn't it? You know, there's <laughs> I'm looking at the fireplace here where I am in in my in my lounge now, and it's huge. And behind the fire, there's a shelf like a stone shelf. And that was where they used... To, this sounds terrible, medieval. But they used to employ young boys to sleep on there. And their job was to keep the fire stoked all night for the master of the house, that kind of thing. Those things don't exist anymore. And I don't think so. I think they use for you. I think you're... No, you no, no. Have and, you know, people boy. used to have, you know, you, you, know you, you hear stories about, you know, Victorian England and people would, you know, their job was, you know, chimney sweeps or they'd be lighting the gas... Um, the gas lights in the street. All those jobs are gone, but, you know, they've just been replaced by other jobs. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about, about about that sort of apocalyptical, there's no work for anybody, that kind of thing, because things just evolve. And, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be safe there. I see. I didn't, I didn't understand that you were kind of positioning this as kind of like, almost like a moral quandary or a dilemma hmm. about do we, do we, bring people in and train them up and become and scale in that way or or do we just send it out to be automated by somebody who has the money for the machines and the and the skills and the knowledge to be able to do all that there's both of that right. there's both of that both of that is is like do do we want to be part of a community you know, going to create a community and have the opportunity for there to be people who can work i think if you're and, in the position you know, to do have that, though then Sure. But if you're not, I, then like you got to make the choice that's right for you because, you know, they, well, the, 
it's right now it's less expensive for me to have an employee than to buy a you know sixty thousand dollar plus right what you call it thing you know and needless to say is having an employee or having someone to help me work there are there's far more there's there's it's just it's much more flexible in terms of what a person can do versus a machine and it's just we're talking about scalability and we're talking about you know that it's just a question of when do you make those decisions and and how do you feel about them yeah i don't know i mean you said it's fascinating there is no right or wrong answer um well of course there is (laughs) <laughs> there's always a right and wrong answer really well, really there's really. always a right and wrong answer it's just like you know it's what you're willing what's your willing what you're willing to tolerate yeah but i think if you you are having sort of extra hands on things that like for example you're you know to finish knives what sandpaper should they use i would use rhino wet from indas usa get that red line baby and go get yourself some of that 220 400 800 get them all at texas farrier supply and if you go to texasfarriersupply.com put in promo code full Bla- knife talk 10 you're gonna get 10 percent. you put in full blast i need a bell sweet- for every time you say full blast i'll ring you're a bell. gonna say you're gonna get if you put in full blast 10 you're getting sweet fuck all trust me but if you get if you put in knife talk 10 you're gonna get 10 percent off your order they have all sorts of other things and you should definitely go support evan and the guys over texas ferry supply get yourself from the Rhinoet, and you know, swipe with the <laughs> sand with the best paper there is. There we Endos go. USA Rhinoet. So why do you do knife talk, Jeff? Well, it's very good promo for my own podcast. <laughs> I love radio, man. I, you know, part of me also thinks is Full Blast is the sister station. So I'm constantly like trying to do little crossovers. So there's you have like I liked in comic books when there were these crossover episodes, and then there was like some continuity. So I'm trying to like I'm trying to you know I'm, I don't know, man. It's it's all good. I'm winding you up. Winding you up. Okay, shall we do a few questions? We've got we some... have questions. Yeah. We also have a big announcement. Big announcement. Okay, let's let's do one question each. If we all look down the list, pick a question each, and then we'll go to a big announcement. So stay tuned. <laughs> okay, first one is JSK, which I think is is uh, Josh Scott, isn't it? Um, this isn't really a question, but maybe a topic to discuss. Why do you think there are so many different ways that makers do the same thing? when maybe a simpler way has been proven to work. A good example is flux when forge welding. Another is higher grit belt finishing compared to hand sanding. Anyway, discuss. JSK, out. Do you remember when you used to do your your Josh Scott impression? (laughs) Did I do I thought you did that. No, you did it. I fuck up the knife dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, yeah. (laughs) I I can't even remember how that goes now. Uh, Yeah. What got that? <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. It was something like that. <laughs> Back in the day, it was a deep cut. That was so good. So, good. Uh, so what's he saying? Um, why do you think there are so many different ways that makers do the same thing? Um, I think we all have different uh, skill sets, different tools maybe, um, different budgets. Um, I mean, we just mentioned then, you know, it's, we can get stuff laser cut or we could do it by hand. That's, you know, we've we've all got these different circumstances we're working to, and, and and different sort of. I can't think of the word I'm thinking about, but um, <laughs> we'll cut that shit because that sounds terrible. Um, yeah, you're we're, not going to cut anything. Come we're, on. we're not, are we? Let's face it. But yeah, we we're all working to different sort of regimes, I suppose. But you know, we're, we're, with with different tools, we're all looking for different outcomes as well. 
Um, so there's no like prescribed way that's going to work for everybody, surely. What do you think? I mean, I think that's it exactly. I, I don't have anything really to add to that. We just we all have our different situations that we're working in, and like you said, different budgets and you know, yeah. I agree. Craig got it right. He wins. I I mean I don't know what Josh <laughs> wants with I mean people people make eggs different than the guy next door. I mean Josh, I, what kind of question is that? <laughs> he just wanted his, his name on air again, didn't he? Jo- Josh, <laughs> I mean goddamn, Josh, I mean we don't hear from you for a while and then you just give us this clunker like this one. I mean, why do people <laughs> do things it's different? A clunker, Be- I just... It's a dude. It's a clunker. Why do people remember when? Remember when Craig said there's no right or wrong answer? There's this question is wrong. This is a wrong <laughs> question. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh, Josh is a good dude. Josh is a good dude. Is. Not and just, making awesome like stuff a, too. Yeah. This just is like a you know JV question. I mean, people make different shit. People have different things. I'm just kidding. But if you were to do something different and keep it the same, I would use combat abrasives. And if you go to combatabrasives.com and put in promo code KNIFETALK15, you're going to get 15% off the best abrasive belts so you can do things differently. You can do things differently than Josh. Get all sorts of shredder belts and different size belts and ceramic belts and all this. You get yourself some buffing wheels and you get some compound, whatever you need. Go get yourself some of that combat abrasives. Put in promo code knife talk ten fifteen. You get a fifteen percent off. Smooth, Mareko. Um, what have you got? Uh, I'll just take the next one from Neil Warren. It says, "I just did my first show at Texas Select event. Uh, it was awesome. However, I noticed a lot of styles that were heavily influenced by the ABS demands, which, in my eyes, means a loss of individuality. Also, made the products." Uh, sorry. Also made the products all blend to uh, blend to the random uh, onlooker. Why do makers do this? So I think he's generally saying. I actually kind of asking. Is, oh no, maybe not. It's the same. Question. It's the same question as Josh is, isn't it? Why do we all do the same thing? <laughs> well, Josh is saying why we do some of the same things very differently, and this guy's saying why do we do make a bunch of different knives that basically look the same? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just proven styles that work, isn't there? You know, sure. um, we all know, you know, the rough size of a handle. We all know the rough side of a blade for a certain task and that kind of thing. It works. So you know, there's not much. You know, these designs have evolved over thousands of years. You know, since monkeys were making tools, um, and these things work. So you you know, we can't stray too far away from what we know works. Um, but you know, we always say, you know, it needs to be short, sharp, and pointy. And you know, there's not many other shapes that can do that. I I it, what's interesting to me is I'm constantly more I think it's more important to have organizations like the ABS out there to have a set of standards that are recognized I think is very very important. This isn't sculpture. This isn't make whatever you want and it's, it's speculative or it's or it's subjective or you know it there are sets of standards that I appreciate the fact that the ABS keeps out there. And I think it's important to be involved with them. I think that it's important to evolve too. The but the evolution doing? comes... What's going on over there? Are you, are everything okay? Are we all right? You wrestling a bear over there? What's going on over there, Craig? He can't where hear us. He stepped he away. <laughs> he where thinks did he, he muted himself. <laughs> Craig, where did you go? He didn't mute himself. No, he didn't. 
Oh my god, that's Craig! He's where probably, did you go? He's putting more wood on the fire. I, I, put I, was, more... I was putting a log on the fire. Sorry. Oh, and that, that, whoa, like that's not a euphemism either. That's not. <laughs> that's genuine, yeah. All right, Mareka, where are you going? I'm putting a log on the fire. All right. <laughs> but but the, the, having knife making, I like the fact that when you talk to a lot of ABS guys, they say that the hard part is, you know, the journeyman Smith is so to a lot of them it's almost harder because you're adhering to a set of standards. Once you have that set of standards, then you're able to kind of grow from there. And I think that when we look at people, people's work and you say, ah, this guy looks like this, this looks like this, you're not giving people the opportunity to evolve based on the way they want to evolve. So, I mean, you're just not going to – I appreciate what knife making is from the sense of the individual person finding the set of standards that works for them that is within the confines of what – you know, an organization likes, and maybe that's their direction. I don't think you're just, I don't think you're going to have art knives everywhere. And I don't think it's even necessary. And I Mm. just think that, you know, you have to allow people to make their own evolutions on their own. And sometimes it takes a long, long time. I mean, Lynn Ray, Lynn Ray didn't really start the x-ray knife until after he was a master bladesmith. And he had, he had completed the master bladesmith. He had, was recognized and one of the best knife makers in the world. He didn't start doing the x-ray knife until he spent some time with Peter Ross and then saw things differently. I think I think you're not Neil, I don't think you're giving people enough opportunity to grow based on where they are at the moment that they're at. Hmm. And I think it's not always just down down to sort of the style of design either. I mean there's, you know, materials can make a huge difference as well. I mean, if you look, like, for example, with Jeff now, you know, he, he's, it's a big thing now that, you know, the materials that he's using and the colors that he's using are a huge part of his design. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, we need to change what's short, sharp and pointing into something else. You can just, you know, as materials evolve and, and materials evolve so quickly at the moment that, you know, we can use nicer, better, more attractive stuff. Um, and what better than Dharma Steel, eh? That was smooth, wasn't it? Super um, smooth. Dharma steel. If you take a basic, basic knife, make it out of Dharma steel, it's going to be an amazing knife because it just looks looks so beautiful. Very, you know, well-performing steel too. Go take a look. DharmaSteel.se is the website. They've got lots and lots of patterns. And this is, you know, a beautiful stainless Damascus. Um, and also if you look on Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram, you'll see what people are making. They, they repost a lot of what other makers are doing with Dharma steel and everything from jewellery to beautiful knives and so on. But... Um, yeah, materials can make a, a, a huge, huge difference. So, we d- yeah, we don't necessarily have to change, you know, change the wheel, um, how knives operate. But I think if we're changing materials, that can make a huge difference. And you can make a style that will really sort of stand out in itself. And again, Jeff is a perfect example of that. But hold on a second, because I didn't change my – I didn't. this is not new material that I'm using. I'm just using it differently. In a different way. Like this yeah. is a standard shit that everybody uses. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, I, you can, you know where I got that blue, I got that blue from Pops, that let the turquoise, that turquoise I've got from Pops. I get the, the royal blue and the toxic green and the hunter red, orange, and then the pit, you get it from Alpha Knife Supply. I, you can get them the same place I get everything else. It's just but a you, question of th- thinking about it in a, a way, different way. You've worked out a way of making, you know, a very sort of traditional looking knife look very individual, you know, which is obviously your knife. And that's just by changing materials and the way you use the materials. Not changing saying. materials. Not necessarily, not necessarily the design of the, of the function of the knife. 
not changing materials, Craig. It's changing. It's changing the thought pattern yeah. of what I want to try to get across. It's different. Yeah, and and the materials. <laughs> you little bastard, you little bastard, you. You little bastard, you. Put a log on the fire, you monkey. All right, the next one comes from. The next one, unless you guys want to keep going, I don't mind fighting. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump down to uh, Derek Sutton. Derek Sutton says, if $500 was sent to you for free, how would you feel and what would you use it for? I'd like to know your reply. Feel free, Derek, to send us 500 bucks. I'll tell <laughs> you how I feel about it. it. <laughs> I'll tell you how I feel about it once it arrives. <laughs> DM me for my address. Okay, let's limit this to um, a shop spend then. Um, we can't go out and have a good meal and all the rest of it. This is, you know, it needs to be for the shop. Um, $500. What, Jeff, what, what are you spending yours on? Going in a payroll. There we Putting go. Putting it right in, making sure everybody's cool. I gotta, I'm, 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 I'm like treading water. I'm not treading water. I got to keep my head way above water. Yeah. So when I do anything, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't need anything right now. I mean, I don't need anything right now. Really, except for a five hundred dollar CNC machine with a guy who could work it. <laughs> yeah, it cost ten times that. Yeah, yeah, five hundred dollars worth of bits that I'm going to run through in a day. Oh, yeah, miracle five hundred dollars to spend in the shop. Um, there you go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I mean, five five hundred dollars. I'd probably spend it on some tool arms from Broadback Ironworks. Oosh! That's you. <laughs> if you go to broadbackironworks.com, they got everything you need for grinding and shaping, uh, handles and knives and all everything in between. Um, yeah. If you uh, also check out uh, when you're at checkout, use mar- uh, what is it? Knife talk, <laughs> and you upgrade to uh, the Mareco Platin, which is just one of a multitude of tool arms that they offer. Um, they're the Swiss Army knife of the grinding shop, and so go check them out. BroadbeckIronworks.com. They got great prices. They also offer uh, financing 
Um, I think they have a couple different options. Go check out their website for that. Again, BroadbeckIronworks.com. And again, when you get your machine, make sure you use uh, Knife Talk at checkout to upgrade to the Marco Platin. Mm. I think. But, f- sorry, go on. I mean, but seriously, like the tool arms that they offer are super. They have such a wide range of tool arms. It's it, it really helps uh, to get shit done in the shop for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I I think once you've got the basics of everything you need, I think le- multiples will make you so much more productive. So let's say um, classic. We've talked about this in the past. A classic example is a drill press. Let's say you know you get a hundred times return on what you spend on that drill press. If you were to buy a second one, you wouldn't get a hundred times, but you maybe get an extra you know twenty times your return. So it's still well worth the money, but it just saves you that much time by having, you know, certain bits that you always use, always set up, or, you know, a chamfer tool always in there, so it's always set up. Mm. So you, you're not spending that, you know, that, that you know, the, it may just be a few minutes, but it can, it can put you off track maybe. Um, so, yeah, having multiples of things set up in certain ways, um, I think is a massive help. And I think, yeah, with 500, you get a couple of drill presses or, you know, a couple of extra buffers or something. Um, and that'll just make you so much more productive, I think, or certainly for mm-hmm. me anyway. I would totally get another drill press. Hmm. I would love... I, you know what the drill press I'd love is I'd love one of those three-head drill presses. I used one in a shop where you had the, you had the, the pilot hole and then the, and then the, and then the next one was the, uh, the tap and then the next one was the pass hole and you could get them all, get them all one spot. And I love, I would love one of those. I can't think what that, three, I can't think what that would look like even. It looks like a drill, standing drill press and it's three heads. What, so they rotate, so you can just change... No, no, it's three whole, whole drills. It's Chuck, three like whole, three chucks? Three chucks, one next to the other. Oh, wow, okay. They're awesome. It's, they... it's, like, it's basically one table with three drill presses, and it's on one stand. They're great. Mm. So, so is so, it like on a, like a magnifying glass where you can change between the different lenses? Like it turns at the head? Magnifying or... glass? Well, sorry, not mag- uh, like a microscope. Sorry, not magnifying glass. No, 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 no. It's so think about like the, standing the three drill presses, and they're all on. They're all there, and then your work table can go on all for all three of them, and you have three different. Uh, you know, just three drill presses smushed into one. It's so as you pull the hand of the lever down, three checks come down at once. No, not three at the same time. <laughs> fucking three at the same time. I was going to say, three I, don't different chucks. I, I, can't, I don't understand. Don't, don't see this. It's, th- take three drill presses and just stick them next to each other. But instead of plugging three in, you're plugging one in. What's so hard? Can you just buy like a, an extension cable and plug all three drill presses? <laughs> you know what, what, I, don't fuck under, it. I don't understand. Fuck it, guys, don't worry about it. Just get three <laughs> drill presses. I want three drill presses, and I'm going to put one extension cord to all three of them. There we go. <laughs> and I'm going to pull all three handles at the same time, <laughs> two with my hands and one with my penis. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, you just invented a tool that there's no need for. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Oh God! Oh, God. What's the, what's the big news? You got oh, big news to tell us? Well, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I need a little bit of a buffer between that last joke and this <laughs> and this big move. But um, actually, this is a, this is a, this is the time in the show where I, I normally say to, to the listener, don't take notes. 
This is the time to stop the podcast, go get yourself a pen and paper, and I'm going to give you important information that one of you might become, this might change one of your lives. One of your lives. So I got a, I got a message from one of our listeners, Jesse Lang, who's involved with um, the New England School of Metalwork and Derek Laser. Derek Laser runs the New England School of Metalwork, and jo- Jess, Jesse said, sent me this thing about the New England School of Metalwork that could be really great for one person. And he, before he sent it to me, he ran it by Derek Glazer himself. So listen to this. Get your pen and paper, ladies and gentlemen. The New England School of Metalwork in Auburn, Maine, is looking for someone to join and head up, and head up their bladesmithing program. This is a full-time position, which comes with full benefits, regular exposure to some of the best instructors in the world, extensive opportunities for training in welding, blacksmithing, and bladesmithing, and a competitive salary. Whoever steps into this role will still be able to and encouraged to make and sell blades outside of their work at New England School of Metalwork. Suitable candidates will have a minimum of three years of serious bladesmithing experience, at least a basic knowledge of general blacksmithing skills, which our listeners don't have, and a good work, a good working <laughs> knowledge of social media and its management, some marketing skills, and the ability and willingness to teach others. If this sounds like you and you want more information, please send your resume slash CV and pictures of your work to get your pens ready, ladies and gentlemen. And if you are to send me a message saying, what's that address again? This is not the job for you. They're looking for someone who's a little <laughs> bit, who has a little bit of resourcefulness. So get your pens ready. Here's the email. D- Bigboy69 at <laughs> no, AOL.com. No, come on. This is serious. This is going to change someone's life here. D Glazer, that's D-G-L-A-S-E-R at New England School of Metalwork.com. So that's D. G L A S E R. They know how to spell it. Listen, this is going to change someone's life, and the person whose life has changed from listening to this podcast, he gets this job. You owe us, okay? I'm just telling you. So D Glazer, D G L A S E R at New England School of Metalwork dot com. This could be the job of a lifetime. Imagine you get all of a sudden you guys are talking so much shit. You all know how to forge this and forge that. Here's your chance to put up and shut up. Get and this listen, job. Don't message us saying, how many days holidays do I have? Yeah, <laughs> I am not. We don't know. It, if, if I was in charge of hiring, if you sent me an email message saying, what's the name of that address? You're not hired. I mean, that's all there is to it. So it's <laughs> D-Glazer D at New England School of Metalwork. It's going to be, somebody is going to hit the jackpot. And it might as well be one of our listeners because this is knife talk. We were supposed to be influential here. So... Don't send any of your bad pictures. Send you don't put hand pictures with your f- disgusting fingers. I'm giving you some resume advice here. Don't lie. Don't be a slapper. Don't say I I know all about blacksmithing. I just get this sledgehammer and blah, blah. be real. Be legitimate. Three years of competitive. I mean, we've been on. We've been we've been talking about bladesmithing for over three years on this podcast. So I mean, you, you you're already put, put that qualified. on the re- put that on the resume. I'm a, I'm a uh, serious knife talk listener. <laughs> I, listen, do yourself a favor. Do it. Go go reach out to the New England School of Metalwork. This could be you could be the next Nick Rossi. There you we know? go. Okay. Cool. Big news. That's big news. It don't you is think? big news. Yeah. I mean they can't be doing that very often, surely. 
No, of course. But, I mean, if you're in the Northeast and you're young and, you know, this is a great opportunity for somebody to, like, I mean, teaching is different than you think. You don't have to, you got to, like, bring people over the finish line. That's what teaching is. And this could be one of the great opportunities of a lifetime. So. There we go. Any dilemmas? Uh, we have lots of di- we have dilemmas and we have listener feedback. Here's some tough scenarios. This one comes from Todd Harrington. Todd Harrington says, "Dilemma: having a great career, but wanting to put in more time into knife making. My rege- my job uh, a job requires sixty plus hours of, of work per week, and it also uh, but it also has the shop two hours most nights to keep up with the side hustle. So he can do sixty hours of his job, but he can pull in two hours to do the side hustle." Good problem to have, financially bad problem for my health. Mm. So what do you do? It's that same question we get every week really, isn't it? It's, you know, what do I do? I've got a job that pays and I want to be doing this instead. Um, we always, I always say the same thing. We, we can't. We can't tell you that. We, you know, we don't know your we can. situation. We can. Of course we can. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Changing lives. I think that this guy... Should apply. I think Todd. I think you should be the first person to send an email to D Glazer at New England School of Metalwork. <laughs> Competitive salary, dude. Well, there, there, there's the answer Problem to the solved. question. That one is a black and white answer. Yeah, straight in. Yeah, get in there. Straight in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the most important thing that we, I, if I had a job that the money was really good. And, you know, I, but I wanted, I had a hobby that I wanted to do. I would focus my attention and time on scheduling in the time to do what I love. I, I, sometimes I have to like, even to do a little bit of blacksmithing here, I have to schedule myself out. Like when I was forging those hammers, Mm. uh, I like, I think I had like two, I like scheduled my time out two months in advance. I still have to send my, I still have this john ariani's drift i owe john i owe you i'm so sorry i have not sent you the drift back i owe him his drift back but i had to like i had to like schedule it out you know and 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 it actually kind of made it better because this was a set in stone situation and i think that sometimes you know having these you know very extensive organized schedules you can kind of like be a little bit more efficient you know what do yeah, you think, Mike? Makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's so it's such so personal, and you gotta you know I don't know if this guy's got a family, he's got kids. I mean, there's so much to take into consideration. But I think when you can, in a healthful way, so you're not stressed out, and you know, and when it's fun, you know, get in the shop and do some work. But if it's gonna add a level of stress or be a burden or you know or you're gonna feel i don't know some agony over it then you know then don't take that i guess i feel like it's pretty simple just don't don't go into the shop but i think i i don't i don't think it is actually a very easy thing unless you are literally like an 18 year old kid you're still living at home you got no fucking responsibilities your, your parents are still probably paying like car insurance and and your cell phone bill and like sure you can make knives full time but life changes a lot in just a few short years and you got maybe you got a mortgage all that other shit that goes along with life that's a lot more complicated knife making 
is not going to become a big money maker, I think, for a long time. And I think that's okay. I think maybe this can be a, a, a 10-year plan or maybe even a five-year plan for this guy that maybe he starts making knives. He's really just focuses on making really good knives, takes his time. You know, he's not too stressed out about getting into the shop. And when he's in there, he's doing really good work. And over time, and uh, he builds reputation and a level of uh, demand for his work. And you maybe be able to transition into doing knives full time. But it's well, it's it's a grind. No pun intended. I think there's a lot of at play. I mean, number one, he starts off with he has a great career. So he likes his job, uh-huh. you know? It's yeah. just that he wants to make these things more. And he just doesn't – he can't figure out the timing of it all. I, that's – I think that's the hard part. And I think that a lot of people have that that point of like, oh, I just don't have the time or I can't do this. And it could be anything. I, I think you should get divorced, seriously, and just – Use that he time. Didn't even say he's married. <laughs> he didn't even say he's married. He's working sixty hours a week. I mean, how do you marry? Of course, if he's, if he, if he's working sixty hours a week, he's married. Believe me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Todd. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Todd. Yeah, we're, we're clearly joking. Clearly T Glazer at NewEnglandSchoolMetalWork.com. Okay, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who do this for fun. And that's the most important thing is to make sure that you're able to figure out ways in which it can be fun. And then once you still love it, then you just slowly, slowly work in figuring it out. Uh, it's, I, I, ten, I tend, and I'm not talking about Todd in the situation. I'm talking about a lot of people. A lot of people make a lot of excuses of where they're at and why they're at and what they're trying to do. And I just don't think people, some people just don't want it enough. They say it, but they just don't want it enough. And I'm not. This is not a reflection on Todd at all. I'm thinking about. I'm, there's a few other people who've slipped into my DMs and ta- told me how uh, entitled they are in so many words, and how they deserve this and they deserve that, and they just don't know why it's not happening. And it's very much along the lines of, well, you know, this isn't just like. You know, presto changeo. You, you have to just be diligent and keep going, and you know, not think about things and yeah. figure out ways yeah. in which to get your shit across. And yeah, I don't know what you can do. I tell you what you can do. If you're go in ahead. Canada, you can save some money. Um, you can go to maritimeknifesupply.com or Maritime Life Supply on Instagram, and have a look what they've got. They're a Canadian distributor of combat, for example, and they do steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, everything you could possibly need. Um, yeah, go take a look, especially if you're Canadian, because they're based there. MaritimeLifeSupply.com. Um, currently got a deal if you buy uh, 10 uh, belts at once, you get 10% off, and all these, all these crazy things. Go take a look at their website. They've got everything you could possibly need. And I know they do ship outside Canada too, so go take a look. I got a couple of corkers. Go for it. All right. This one, this was two. I got two good corkers. We'll try, we'll try these ones out and see what you think. This one comes from Paul Jansen. Here's the dilemma. I've been making knives as a hobby for several years now, and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. I've gotten better, and I've started to make some Damascus EDCs for my... Are you, are you snoring? Is somebody snoring? I think he just took a whiz into a glass. What did you do? I just poured some wine, sorry. Oh, I thought you were snoring. I thought <laughs> no, it was no, like, no, no, no. fucking Paul's not that. This question isn't that boring. I'm just kidding, Paul. Let me start over. 
I've been making knives as a hobby for several years now, and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. I've gotten better, and I've started making some Damascus EDCs for myself. I always intend on keeping and using knives for myself, but I usually end up having a friend or family member want to buy it. And I don't have a lot of time to forge right now, so due to work and having a new baby... So I do sell them, but I just can't immediately make another one. Do I keep them to myself or take the money? I already have a feeling I know what Craig's answer will be. (laughs) So this is the question of, like, do you ever make something for yourself and keep it? Or do you, like, make something thinking that you're going to keep it and then you just get rid of it? I really only have sort of prototypes and things with faults that I keep, really. Um, I keep saying, you know, one day I'm going to make myself something nice. Um, but, um, yeah, my, my, my kitchen is full of knives all with slight flaws and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately. I think the what trick, think? I think the trick is you make a knife for your wife. It's going to be harder to get rid of that one. Hmm. Yeah. That's the only reason Actually. I have one of my own knives. <laughs> yeah. And I only got, well, I guess technically I got two. Both of them were gifts to my wife. So otherwise, yeah, I would just take the money. You loophole yourself. Yeah, I, I had I had to. <laughs> she loves them, so she's like, "If you get rid of those knives, I'll fucking kill you." So, <laughs> so wow, I can't with get the rid knife. Of them. With the knife. <laughs> I am a huge fan of don't covet. I don't covet mm. anything. Like that was a problem. That was a problem early on when I was when I was a uh, doing sculpture. Because my father, who was an incredible painter, incredible painter, like probably still to this day one of my favorite painters of all time, he wouldn't sell his work. And he wouldn't sell his work and he wouldn't go into galleries and we were trying to get him to go and have – he could have a solo show easy, just his work is, you know. And I could never figure it out until after he died and I really kind of had a long think about his decision-making as a painter, why he chose to – you know, not get rid of any of them. And, and based on his personality, I started to realize he, he felt like when he did a really good one, there was this unconscious mindset of it's not going to get any better than this. Hmm. And I felt like Hmm. with my sculpture, there were some certain fishing lure, giant lure sculptures that were just, everything worked out perfect. The colors work perfect. The the lines work perfect. Everything was like, there was a couple of them that were just like, I cannot get rid of this one because this one is so great. And I thought to myself, you're limiting yourself because you're, what you're saying is it can never get better than this. And that is mm. a failure on your mental state. And yeah. I started to get rid of anything I liked. So if I really liked it, that's a fucking first thing to go. Because I felt like you, you have to have the attitude that it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. So I never, I've fucking kept anything. I, I, I do have, like Craig says, I got the dingers in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, or like the, the ones that just aren't, you know, they're just, they're trying stuff out. And, but at the same time, it's like, I would never make something to cut. Co- I, I don't believe in coveting. I don't believe in coveting. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was at the Center for Mental Arts, I had my first friction folder that I got when I was a kid that I used as a sample. And Pat Quinn was remarking on it. And it was like, I was talking about the, my feelings, you know, the first one I got, blah, 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 blah. He says, I really love that one. And I just gave it to him. He says, you can't give me this. This is like from your childhood. I'm like, I don't covet things. Go ahead. Here you go. 
And it was it was a weird situation. He's like, how do you do that? I'm like, don't covet that shit, man. Give it to him. Just so next time I'm at your him. shop, I'll say, wow, I really like that power hammer of yours. <laughs> you can, I really like that sunset hey, hammer. Hey, hey, you want this hey, tire man. hammer? Get yourself a fucking crowbar and take it, this fucking thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No problem. Yeah, I don't covet this fucking yeah. thing. But, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of knives, which were like my first knives, where th- this was the complete opposite story, really, where um, I thought... The, when you first start like every knife is so much better than the last one um but i was getting sort of orders and people were wanting them and you know first of all their family or friends all that kind of stuff um but i didn't want to sell them because i knew the next one would be, would be better so it took a while before i was happy to, to let them go um simply because they i didn't think they were up to scratch you know as opposed to the other way around um so it, i suppose it depends where you are in that journey as well I I think that we need to rethink how we see our old work. I really I've, I've been really really thinking hard about this because when you're making something, it is a is it's a physical it's a physical snapshot of the information that you have at that moment. Yeah, yeah. and you cannot and it's just a it's just a part of the it's just the way it is, and you can't judge yourself based on where, who you were back when shit already happened. When I was a 21-year-old, awful. And, but that's just <laughs> the way it is. That's yeah. who I was, and that's the way it is, and I change. When you make a knife when you're you know 21, I mean, whatever, you know, you, it's the same thing. You, come, you can't judge it based on now. You have to like look at it from that standpoint. So. Yeah. And when, when I first started, I come from sort of uh, software development and web stuff where it, it was always that continuous development, but it was, it was always continuous delivery as well. So when you'd make a small improvement, bang, everybody'd have that improvement. So I really struggled with it then when it right. was a physical thing. It's like once that goes out and, and that's, you know, they've got it, that's it. There's, you can't do anything to that. that that's it. And I, it took me a real long time to get my head around not, you know, not wanting to let them go for that reason. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I've, I've always been a person that give gave stuff away i actually have very few of like any original drawings and illustrations and stuff i used to do and and honestly the, the knives i gave to my wife even now i, I mean they're a, a snapshot like you were saying of the, mm. of of my work at that time but honestly at this point like they're good knives and they're pretty but i i don't think they're the best knives that i've made and i i think part of it is i've always been good at making stuff and so I've just been like, ah, I'll make another. I'll, I'll just make it. I'll make another one. Um, and I honestly believe that my, you know, my best work has still yet to come. Um, and so I, yeah, I think Jeff, you're. I 100% agree with you. Is that you are hindering yourself by being too precious about things or too, I guess, sentimental or coveting your work, your own work, too much. Because yeah, you are saying this is as good as it gets. And if you what if you tell yourself that, then that is as good as you're gonna get, honestly. But you could be sentimental. I mean, sentimental is different. Like if you all of a sudden something means something to you. But it's, well, sure. I, I find it to be fascinating. I, I find that uh, the way we see what we make and what we have, and it's funny, you know, the pocket knife thing is very is very interesting. Thinking about it more and more and more, is that especially after the friction folder class. There is something subconsciously more intimate 
about a folding knife that you can stick in your pocket, especially if you made it. There's something about the fact that, you know, like I said, you take a chef knife, you can't stick in your pocket, you know? You can't, you know, you put a knife on the sheath, you can put on your belt, but it's still like there is something about the fact that where your keys go and your wallet goes and your change goes and, your, you know, your whatever, your whatever. There is something intimate that the mind sees when they make something or have something like a pocket knife that they mm. can just stick in their pocket. Something that, that you carry that you handle multiple times a day. Yeah, of course, yeah. But it's even less than what it actually is. It's a talisman of this personal moment that you have that on yourself that you put in your pocket with your bullshit. You know, it's like it's a normal part of your personal stuff. Mm. And it, it becomes like I remember these kids, these guys had this, this when in this class. These dudes were fired up, like fired up more than I'd ever seen anybody at a knife making class. They stuck in their pocket. And this is part of the, who they are now. Yes, yeah. it was cool. It's, it's super cool. Close to your balls. See, that's what it is. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of that, let's talk. We have another one. We have another one. That's another corker from Ping I thought, Iron. I, I thought you were going to mention something else. And you said thinking of that, and I said it was close to your balls. But maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah, you and Big Pierre on Tuesday. I can't wait. Um, Big Pierre. I don't know why I think it's no. It's I, I, I no. I, I, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, Big Pierre. Let's go. Nufty Nuf. All right. So Pig Iron Forge. Says, here's a quick story with a question. It's a little fresh, so pardon my language. I had a custom order. Uh, I had a custom order. A customer ordered a knife with a Western style handle. After a month, he messaged me asking if I would rehandle it for him. He now wants it to be a Wa style handle. I told him no problem, but I'm busy, so it could take a couple weeks. He messaged me back a couple days later and says he found a local guy to do it. Oh, great! If he has any questions, have him message me. Pig Iron Forge says. A couple days later, I get a message from the dude rehandling the knife. He wants to know what the steel is and what the Rockwell is, and I have no idea why he needs this information, so I provide it. And he responds with, thanks. This is the rehandler now is sending to Pig Iron. Thanks. Not to be a dick, but for how much money What's-His-Face paid for the knife, I would expect better craftsmanship. The (laughs) tang looks like it was an afterthought. After I explain this to this, and then it gets fresh. And I'll block. He, he said a few. He said a few fresh things, and then blocked him. Uh, he says my tangs are half inch by three and a half uh, inches, finished with a thirty-six grit, so the epoxy can grab on. But I did bring up a wider question: Is craftsmanship making every bit of the knife beautiful, even parts that sent out and are not to be seen? I've seen other dudes that put mosaic pins on their tangs. Fuck that guy. So, so just to summarize, makes this knife for the guy. The guy decide the, the customer decides to change the knife handle from a Western style handle to a Wa style handle. Guy doesn't pig iron doesn't have time, or he, or he gave him a break. The guy finds somebody else. The the somebody else guy busted off that handle, took a look at the handle inside that was never supposed to be seen, and then gave Fritz about something mm. that would never have been seen otherwise. This is, this is a rarity, a complete rarity. Yeah. Right. Of the, th- the three parties involved here, um, was, it, was it Pig Iron Forge? Or was, yeah. Was it, yeah. He's, he's good. He doesn't need to worry. 100%. The other two guys are total pricks. The rehandlers Especially the rehandler. Yeah. yeah unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. To Very reach out. And, and also, I think the customer as well. To, you know, 
first of all, you know, or could I change the handle? Not not just can we change the handle, can we change the whole style of the knife? It's like, well, um, but you know, he, he even said, yeah, I can, but it'll, you know, obviously it'll take a bit of time. Um, but then to go straight to somebody else to do it, who was obviously a, a you know a huge fucking prick anyway. So you know they're both at fault, and yeah, I, you're better off without them in your life. Believe me. What do you think, Rekko? Can you read to me again just the, just the part that the maker, the rehandler, said? The rehandler said uh, after he asked for some information, the Rockwell and the steel type. He said thanks, not to be a dick, but for how much money the original guy paid. Um, the I would have expected better craftsmanship. The tang looks like it was an afterthought. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I mean, before that, I was already with you guys. And yeah, just a part of the knife that's never going to be seen does not need to be cleaned up. And in fact, yeah, leaving those coarse scratches will help it hold in the tang slot a lot better. And now, I, I might be concerned if there was like a really sharp corner at a, at a transition to a shoulder or something, but my guess is that that was handled. But yeah, yeah, both of them can go fuck themselves. <laughs> I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, uh, an investigative decision. I believe the rehandler is not a knife maker. Sure. I believe the rehandler is a fucking fuck wood guy. <laughs> I think the rehandler is a fucking wood guy. Sure. Because okay. who cares what the Rockwell is? Who cares what the Rockwell? Why would a yeah. rehandler need to know what the Rockwell is? Mm. That makes no sense. Right. Why would you? Why? For what? If the tang's most like it could have been too. Like there's a lot of guys who soften the tang anyway. So who gives a shit what the what the Rockwell of the tang? Get the fuck out of here, man. I I think that Pete, there's certain people who 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 feel the need. To be a prof- to be to humiliate other people. Yeah. If somebody brought a knife to me and said, "I need you to rehandle this," I wouldn't fuck. It. If I thought this knife was a piece of shit, I would have just done it and just sent it to the guy, and I wouldn't have made an effort to like reach out to the original guy to start this weird conversation. I just don't even see the need. What's yeah. the point? I don't want to inflict myself in this person's life, nor do I want this person to inflict themselves into my life. I think some people enjoy pissing on other people's lawn just to make theirs look greener. You know, they think if I put you down, it makes me feel better. I, you know, my stuff's better. But yeah, I think you're right. Fucking wood guy. It's a wood guy. Some of these guys are just these wood guys. They think they know everything. They watch a couple of Aaron Goff videos, and now they think that they're fucking Mr. C&C. It's just so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> All right. I have a couple. I have another one, or we can do a question. Let's do let's let's just do one more dilemma and then maybe we'll think about uh, wrapping up and after shows and that kind of stuff. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, this one comes from Iron Ridge Forge Backup. Iron Ridge Forge Backup. I've got a hell of a dilemma. Instagram and Facebook deleted my accounts. I don't know what the hell to do. All my photos, all my customer contacts gone. They say I'm too young to be using Facebook after I accidentally sent my age to two years old. (laughs) 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 A simple mistake that some bot picked up and banned Uh, me for. (laughs) Starting again for my 50 followers on my backup page. Fuck me, right? So everybody go follow Iron Ridge Forge Backup because this two-year-old needs your help. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
<laughs> sucking on a titty. And you just... <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, yeah. What did they send? They sent the email to a two-year-old. By the way, asshole, you're you're too young. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of it is when you set up accounts and they last for date of birth. A lot of people say, "Oh, fucking whatever," and they just put anything in. But then you know, maybe a couple of years down the line, they you know, whichever service it is that they, they then write it in the algorithm. You know, if they're under eighteen, get rid of the account or whatever. Um, that's probably what's happened. But oh man. We when shouldn't is... laugh, but fucking hell. He's the mid. Listen, I give him credit for writing in. I, Iron Ridge Forge backup. We're with you, man. This fucking sucks. People don't have a sense of humor, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. Jesus. I don't know when is when is Instagram going to have some type of customer service because it's like I've been getting DMs from people. I know people are getting hacked, mm. and oh, people yeah. are trying to hack me. They're sending me these oh, fucking yeah. questions. I'm going to, and I know, Mareka, you've been doing a lot of, like, you know, uh, PSAs on how to not be hacked. If you send me a DM that just says hi. Oh, yeah, I just got one of those. <laughs> I'm out. You're out. I don't, don't, don't automatic fucking. Delete. Don't automatic delete, you know, or it's like, hey, can you do, or, or, hey, can you do me a favor? No, ever. <laughs> no, it's like these strange, and then one guy was asking me to vote for him here and send oh. me this thing. And I thought, vote for What are you talking about? And I, and I was like, he, he didn't understand. I didn't understand what he was talking about. And then he was getting frustrated. And, he go, and I said, dude, is this a hacked account? Are you hacked? And he goes, Jesus. what makes you say that? And then the next bubble said, mate. And I was just like, bro, I don't know who you are. I don't know what is going on here, but I don't like it. And it was just like a fucking left. He's like, what are you trying to say? And I'm just like, I think I'm getting like fucking bullied into like clicking on something. And I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what's said, happening. Everyone's getting, everyone's getting hacked. Yeah. I had somebody send a message the other day. And instead of being an inquiry, like, oh, you make great stuff. blah blah, They're like, welcome to my page. <laughs> they just like cold messaged me about their own shit that they're selling. And I was just like, no. Well, it, but years, yeah, the, year, the weird ones are people who are like, I need you to vouch for my account because mm, I, yeah, I'm they're very common. Yeah. yeah. Fucking don't. Yeah. Delete that shit. You know, 100%. years ago, we had this bit where we would say we'd get the DMs from Hey Cutie. That's where. <laughs> yes. if, if, oh, yes. Yeah. If yeah, you're the new, new listener again. wondering, <laughs> if you're a new listener wondering why some of the questions come in saying, Hey Cuties. It's because we used to we used to get these fucking sexy DMs from like you know <laughs> Tiffany XXX saying hey cutie you know and then we would just start saying everyone starts saying hey cuties now it isn't hey cuties it's hey can you help verify my account yeah what's your telephone number again I need you to help me with, with this verification code oh no 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 I, I don't want anything to right. do with you anonymous yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's that, you know, and they're getting more sort of elaborate these things as well. So yeah, as 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 Mareko's already said, turn on two factor authentication. Um, make sure that your phone numbers and everything are up to date on all your accounts, right. because you could end up like what happened with me, where <laughs> I lose my phone, I get a new number, and then my two factor authentication doesn't work, and I can't log in. You know, so make sure everything's yeah. basically up to date. Um, and yeah, and just have your wits about you because you know. Majority times they're really fucking dumb and they're obvious. And you think, does this really work for you? Really, people, you know, fall for this. But occasionally there'll be one that you know it seems pretty clever. And you know, in 
emails that look as if they're from Instagram, you know, and, and you click the link and it looks like Instagram and asks you to log in. But obviously, it's just capturing your login details and all that kind yep. of stuff. So just have your wits about you. Ugh. Oh, yeah. When are they going to have almost when are they gonna have custom- a while back? Who did? One of those, you know, it looked like it was from Instagram. Hmm. And uh, they were like, we want to give you a blue check. <laughs> Log in and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a second. What the fuck? Yeah. Before you, I think I actually before that, that you were Craig, like, and I was like, all right, took it. I sent a screenshot and I was like, does this look real? And he's like, fuck no, no, Dealing no, that shit. <laughs> Any, anything where you've then got to go and log in, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, no way. Yeah, should go. we call it a day? Do we hit all our spots? I think so. Yeah, we're one hour 30 minutes in exactly to the second, too. And nice we hit all our spots, show. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. There you go. Okay. Well, for some reason, our the soundboard thing isn't working here. So, um, this show was sponsored by the Mega Network. Welcome to the after show. <laughs> I I I've been watching Ted Lasso. Isn't it great? It's so good. It's fine. Oh. I'm on the You've second no season. Heart. You've got no heart. No, I've got heart. I like Jason Sudeikis. I, I like his hair. I like his hair. <laughs> I think he's got a fucking great haircut. I think he's Ted. Ted. Uh, well, he's uh, Ned Flanders, Flanders, which I like. Yeah. I watched. There was two episodes that were so bad. The Christmas episode. That yeah, <laughs> it didn't fit at all, did it? It was very strange. And then yeah. weird. The weird Odyssey of the coach beard that was like it was another one i was like yeah <laughs> so but I, I like the show it's but it however i will give one comment which yeah. is funny to me which is like you know these are professional these are supposed to be professional athletes and it's this like you're supposed to feel sorry for any of them yeah <laughs> it's like oh, i don't feel sorry for any of them yeah professional yeah. athletes it's good I, I enjoyed it yeah well have i been watching this i trying to think what i've been watching uh not much actually i don't think no, What's I haven't been... really got into anything this week at all. Do we talk about? Did we end up talking about the bad vegan? I watched it. We, you hadn't watched it at the time, so you, you watched it now. I watched it. I watched Bad Vegan because I rem- and then because I kind of sort of knew Jeffrey Chattero, the the investor. Right. Oh, right. Okay. And and funny enough, my restaurant Alva. Sometimes you see in my shop, there's this big sign that says Alva Restaurant yeah. Bar. That's where Tony and I used to work. Up the street from Alva was one of the first spots for a reality show. It was called The Restaurant. It was Rocco Despirito had a show mm. where he they were they were bringing they opened up a restaurant and he was doing this restaurant. It was right up the street from us and it was like a big deal for a while on NBC and Jeffrey Chattero backed it and it was like this reality show. But it was rea- it was like a documentary reality show about them. Mm. And I it was a disaster. But I remember that they would send their guys down to borrow booze from us all the time. That's how I kind of met with Jeffrey Chattero. But regardless, this the movies the show is interesting, but it is not a restaurant show. No, 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 it's not, no. But she, what do you think of her? How I th- I naive that- is she? Isn't she? How clever is she? Isn't she? Do you think she would have got away with any of this if she wasn't so pretty? There's all these different things going on. I think that you have to watch. You got me into both of these, Craig, you son of a bitch. I, uh, Bad Vegan and The Tinder Swindler, I feel like they yeah. could be season one and season two of the same show. Yeah. And you it's, trust nobody afterwards. Yeah. It, well, I mean, these are people who this. Both of them are about people easily being 
manipulated, and it's always about getting money out of somebody. Mm. And if they're both interesting, but they're it's very much along the lines of the, the the heroines in both Tinder Swindler and Bad Vegan are these like hapless women who are like, you know, they're going down, yeah, they're finding love or whatever, and they're just taking out loans for these like con artists, and it's just like one after the other after the other, and they're interviewing them, and then they're coming across as trying to be like. They're kind of trying to be, you know, like we were conned. But I mean, she was the in bad vegan. She was very, very unbelievable. To be honest yeah. with you. And she was aware she was being conned at at, at one point, you know, because she would say to him, "No, well, this is clearly a con." But then she'd continue doing things as if she wanted it to not be a con. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's it's I, I thought it was very good. Oh, it gave I me tummy pain. Yeah, it's, it's oh, like if you want to watch someone's life be very much. I thought that I'd be honest with you. I thought Bad Vegan was it was a it was a good, except mm. for they could have cut it down in half. Yeah, it didn't have to be all that time. Did you it, did you know the restaurant? Uh we I'd heard of it. Right, yeah. I'd heard of it. it I re, I remember hearing about you know that the start of the raw vegan food and mm. you know I remember. But it was very ancillary. I didn't remember the name of the restaurant. You know, I, I wasn't on the top of my he- head, but it was like, sure. I remember when it, I remember that style came out. Yeah. And, but, and uh, Alec Baldwin, again, with his very eager penis, makes a, 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 a show oh, yeah. in, in it as well. Yeah. You can't, the, the Alec Baldwin thing, you just cannot make it up. I mean, he is literally like, a, he's like a Greek tragedy. I mean, he's yeah. like Sisyphus. Yeah. Everything fucking happens to that dude. I think he it's told bizarre. Will Smith to, to to slap Chris Rock too. He must have been involved somewhere, surely. <laughs> well, he made a comment. I think he probably made a comment about it. I mean, he's so he's so he had the best part about Alec Baldwin is the New York Post nicknamed him years ago the Bloviator, and I can never not call him the Bloviator. So it's like <laughs> this is this rag newspaper, and they just started they referred to him as the Bloviator. I just mm. fucking love that. But I loved his podcast, though. I haven't listened for a lot. I don't know if he still does it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And it's soft jazz, and it was all very relaxing. I used to love that. He's he's so gross. He's so gross. (laughs) He's just like, he's. The problem is, and I've said this before, he's this fucking Long Island schmuck who tries to act as if he's like. You know Lawrence Olivier, but he's—I mm. know where he was from. Fucking Huntington Beach or Huntington, New York. He's just like this fucking low life from a low life family, and they're all like. Now all of a sudden he's like, you know, Sir Alec Baldwin for Christ's sakes. It's annoying. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> you do. He's, oh fucking, he's good I'll, entertainment. That's what that's I like. What it the, is. I like the. I like the memes about. I'm shooting people. Somebody said the Will Smith thing is like, you're good. Thank God it wasn't Alec Baldwin up there who fucking made a joke about it. I would have put it on him. Yeah. Have shot him. Yeah. I like that shit. Uh, no, it was, it was, yeah. I like him. I like him. So, yeah, what's, what's been going on outside of work? Outside of work? I heard an uh, interview with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. David and I listened to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I got into a Red Hot Chili Peppers Fuel frenzy. You know those guys are in their fucking sixties. Really? Gee, they're I've fucking never, awesome. Never, never been into them. I, I've never. It's that yeah. certain type of, uh, 
like like late nineties when you had um, you know people like Fred Durst and all that, and they'd almost like trying oh, to just like wrap up a rock music. And that's I know, but that's Fred but that's what they remind Fred me of. They're, 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 they're sort oh. of rhythmic stuff. It's almost like trying to rap over rock, and it's I don't know. I Fred, just find Fred it weird. Don't put in Fred Durst and with the fucking. I know that was a bad that was peppers. a bad example. God. That was a bad example. But it, what a it's that did it's it. that sort what of was, thing for me. What was the name of his song? I did it all for the nookie. <laughs> what, a, what a pathetic what a pathetic situation yeah fred durst i did it all that was for that was a movie. bad example but you know what i mean I, it's i don't know it's i i find it i don't know it's great really biscuit it. oh my Limp god biscuit, what a right? just a low life what a fucking low life band what a low life dude and then at the end of his thing he was like dating britney spears it was just like oh you God, you were such uh, a low-life blip do, biscuit. Do you follow Britney on Instagram? No, I, I oh, find it to be too hard. still such a car crash. It's like, oh, oh Jesus. man. Yeah. I find it to be too depressing. It is, yeah. It's a hard one. Every time she posts, you need to look because it's just like, what the fuck is going on now? It is, oh, man. It seems Total as though, car crash. I mean, God bless her. I hope, I hope her life works out where she finds happiness. But for some reason, the times I do see her, and she's dancing on her tiptoes. Yeah. It's as almost like before she presses the button, she like throws water on her face. Yeah. So like mascara so, runs down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like there's like there's this terrorized <laughs> look that she has. It's like dripping mascara, mascara or something like that. I'm just like, God, maybe the conservatorship was a good idea. Maybe yeah. All, she's maybe she's not all... she's not fully right, I can tell you that. But, maybe uh... Free Britney was a little bit of a it's a little bit. I think maybe free Britney it, for a while. <laughs> a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't free Britney anymore. Maybe we need. Maybe she needs to be held, held, held in uh, some sort of rubber room. I don't know. I feel bad for her. Oh yeah, I can completely feel bad for her. But yeah, she, she's not right. Bless her. But anyway, what uh, else are you watching? Like Anything side good? Projects that you're working on? Who's that? Me? Any oh. of you? I mean, how, what? Like Craig with you with the house. Like what's what's the next big project that you guys are trying to iron out and Oh fuck. <laughs> the whole house. I mean Jesus you must Christ. have a, a, a punch list. Like what's the next thing on the list? Yeah. The basically the exterior to the house we haven't really touched. Um okay. and we've had like the worst weather again this week. It's just like it, Is it well, still snowing? No, it's not snowing now, but it's still cold. It's you know it's sorry. Still, you know, freezing temperatures overnight. Mm-hmm. Um and it's raining really heavily and well we've had all of the front of the house dug up to have um like water treatment plant thing put in everything is just like muddy everywhere and it's been raining so whenever you walk in around the house you're just covered in it oh it's horrible so yeah we're waiting for the the weather to sort of dry things out so we can start work on the exterior now ready for the summer and you know get a garden which is which is usable so yeah it's 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 almost tools down to be honest since the baby's come um, because it it you know it it takes up a lot of our time. We are just up to our up to our nose every day in shit. It's everywhere. It's unbelievable. And at the same time, the girls were going through sort of um out of then they don't wear nappies, but when they go to bed, they still wear nappies. So we're trying to you know get them to stop doing that as well. So there's just shit everywhere, all over the house at the moment. It's unbelievable. This 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 baby, all he does is eat and shit. And it definitely it wasn't like this. It, yeah, it definitely wasn't this bad with the twins. Really wasn't. But really? I'm t- yeah, he, he is. 
he's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not if he's not feeding, he's shitting. And it's yeah. It's maybe oof. it's time for an Instagram account for him. Do you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, I tell you, it's it's been especially to be honest, especially for my wife, it's really taken its toll for her um, this last week. Um, it's been a difficult week for us all, you know, busy wise. It's just whoa, yeah. Yeah, I Don't saw even... her post about like lack of sleep. Oh and how yeah, it fucks with your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, but it's literally every two hours he's needing feeding, um, and he's fucking huge. So he's he's a month old. I think he's yeah, he's just a month this week, um, and he's already grown out of his um, zero to three month clothes. So he's wearing three to Holy six shit. month clothes. He's huge, and he's, he's growing every day, and it's just he's like, whoa. He is. He's a, he's a big boy, and um, it shows with the amount he eats. Yeah, so we I think we looked at things with maybe, you know, rose-tinted glasses. Once once the twins have grown up a little, we forgot how how difficult it is. Um, so, yeah, most of the time, if we're showered before lunchtime, that's that's an achievement, yeah. But, uh, you but know. They're going to be very helpful when he gets a little bit bigger. Um, yeah, and to, and to be honest, they're trying to be helpful now, but quite often that means they're just in the way, and you need to redo things and tidy up after them. You know, you know, they want to help, which which is nice. So yeah, but it's lovely seeing them all. You know, wanting to spend time together. It's, you know, it's lovely. I got you know, no complaints. Do they like being? It's do they like being big sisters? They love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and we've got um, so they break up for the Easter holidays uh, next weekend. I think it is. Um, and they, they can't wait, you know. They, they want to be dressing him in the mornings and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, oh, poor kid. Yeah. I know, like I know. His life is going to be ter- two, you know, older sisters growing oh. up. It's going to be a nightmare for him. But uh... my sisters beat the brakes off me. Just beat the brakes <laughs> off me. Uh, awful, Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Oh God, oh, awful, <laughs> terrible. Uh, what about you, Mareko? Any, any, anything going on with you? Uh, I, oh, I signed up for a local, so we have just like a little local market that's going to happen on Saturdays. Oh yeah. You might, have you done one yet? I haven't done one yet. No, the first one is May 7th and I'm going to be offering a sharpening service at Mm. this thing. Uh, I've been trying to figure out a way to like partake in my local community and try to do something that kind of gives back in a way. And Saturdays, like it's a day off and. I'm going to make it a thing like the you know with the family and the wife and the kid are going to be there helping to like accept knives and we jokingly victor's responsible for telling people how to use the knives properly and how to be safe <laughs> after sharp and stuff like that uh it sh- it'll be interesting it's not a massive commitment it's literally uh i think it's maybe four or five hours uh one saturday a month and so um it's a, it's just like a small way to kind of dip my toes in that in that end of things but um I, I I look forward to that. Um, what else do I got? I got uh, I got some earrings. I'm making some uh, earrings for Mother's Day. I'm trying to get them hammered out uh, next week so that we can start posting that they're available basically a month out for Mother's Day. Um, and if anybody's interested, um, then they can get a hold of them in a reasonable amount of time. Cool. Um, Is, isn't doesn't your sister make jewelry or something? Is that she you do does. It together she or? Makes some- yeah, she does. Uh, we haven't really done anything together yet, but we've talked about 
it a lot. It's just the trick is coordinating, um, you know, the design of the material or uh, like the design of the jewelry and how this like if I'm doing Damascus steel, like what shape does that steel need to be in um, mm. to complement the jewelry and the shape of the necklace or the you know, she does a lot of things with uh, preserved insects and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we haven't really done anything yet but we still have talks of doing stuff like that um i'm trying to think what else oh i'm doing a massive road trip in june um that's probably our, like our next really i mean other than sacramento that's coming up at the end of the month which has been i think we got that all nailed out um uh, thank you guys again for uh you know being able to pull neil in and uh, you know i know it was it was almost a train wreck if it weren't for Jeff and his diligence and his professionalism um, making it happen. Um, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. But, yeah, the show has finally come together. Everything's in place. So it's just kind of really kind of a matter of getting there now and getting shit done before the end of the month to get there. Um, I'm, I've actually been <laughs> – I have some knives that uh, I've been working on or I've kind of slowly been working on. They're just like old knives that didn't work out for other projects. They already have like handle material attached to them and stuff. And I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll just whip out these knives. But I've been seeing some of the stuff that other people are bringing and there's going to be like Charlie Ellis is going to be there and SL Blades and, um, you know, uh, Joshua Prince and, uh, you know uh, – Will Brigham of the Artificery. All these super talented makers are going to be there. Um, and I'm seeing some of the stuff that they're kind of teasing and bringing. And I'm like, fuck, these knives look super big. I mean, they're great knives. Um, they're going to be great cutters and great performing, high-performance knives. But they're pattern-wise, they're kind of basic. Because like I said, these are these are just knives that have been laying around. And so now I'm like, oh, my God, do I have time to maybe like make a new pattern and forge out something really cool that'll help that, that'll really just like blow people's hair back at the show? Or am I going to be pushing too hard with only basically like two two weeks to go before uh, I hit the road for the show? Well, don't be competitive. Yeah, Relax. Take what <laughs> you've got. Just get, take what you got. Who cares? They know who you are. It's not like you got to blow people's hair back. You just you know, do your thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's that I've talked about before, just struggling with like kind of like perfectionism and needing other people's approval and all that kind of shit. And you don't need anybody's approval. Just, <laughs> just fucking sell some it. fucking knives. I don't know. <laughs> sell Stop some it. fucking knives. Have a good time. And go That's home. it. Yeah, period. Exactly. <laughs> period. You, you know, it's over. Don't worry about that. Who cares the shit? You know, you know, come on, man. Just mm. get it done. Get it well, out. Out the door. We need the title. We need a title for this week's show. Oh, yeah. Any ideas? No. I st- every week I struggle, and I end up coming up with some sort of crude. Well, um, yeah, something crude. Yeah, something crude. I'm, I'm... <sighs> Throwing a log on the fire. There we go. There Throw another go. log on the barbie. Throw okay. a lot of fire. Well, thanks to the listeners of the podcast, plus a few other people, we sold. Tomer and I sold out the. Um, Oh, nice. Sold out the class in nice. no time. Nice. We're already talking about another one. So that was Killer. really, really good. Yeah. Within not? the Do same it? trip or? No, no, no. Not back. the same trip. It's going to be, I'll come back like, you know, maybe then, you know, early 2023. I got you. Something like okay. that. And then uh, I just got booked with uh, Center for Metal Arts again. I'm, they're putting me on for 2023. It was a very, very uh, rewarding to have 
you know, be asked to come back. So yeah, that's good. And then uh, what else? I got if somebody wants to take a tong making class at Dragsworth Forge in, in May, go check out. Uh, I think there's a couple slots available. It's probably going to be the last time I do it there for a while uh, sure. with Matt and everything like that. But uh, definitely going to do that. What else? Oh, and my prints are coming, and I should have my prints this week. Um, Allison's driving them up, so we're going to be selling prints the next week. So sure. that's really, really cool. I can't wait to get my hands on them because they're really, really nice. Selling your art. I got a question. Jeff, you're going to be at Maker Camp, right? Yes. Craig, what does your October look like? Because I'm going to be at Maker Camp too. I mean, I, I know you got the fresh baby, and so that makes things. Yeah, so I can't see me being at Maker Camp in October. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. No. Um, can you imagine if I said, "Right, three kids, you need to stay here on your own with the three kids, <laughs> and I'm going to go away for." work in inverted commas yeah it would it wouldn't go down too well i don't think i don't think it's so. hard yeah. it's hard i mean yeah. that's the whole problem i mean like i'm talking with a few other people in regards to doing some traveling and it's tough it's tough on the family it's tough on it's tough on the business it's hard to get away mm-hmm. real hard to get away so i feel yeah. your pain anyway that's a show thank all you right. all for listening we shall speak to you all again very soon bye for now This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.